Chapter Seventeen of Outwitting the Hun: My Escape from a German Prison Camp by Pat O'Brien. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen: Getting Through the Lines. Waiting until it was quite dark, I made my way carefully through a field and eventually came to the much dreaded barrier. It was all that I had heard about it. Every foot of the border-line between Belgium and Holland is protected in precisely the same manner. It is there to serve three purposes. First, to keep the Belgians from escaping into Holland. Second, to keep enemies like myself from making their way to freedom. And third, to prevent desertions on the part of Germans themselves. One look at it was enough to convince anyone that it probably accomplished all three objects about as well as any contrivance could, and one look was all I got of it that night, for while I lay on my stomach gazing at the forbidding structure, I heard the measured stride of a German sentry advancing toward me, and I crawled away as fast as I possibly could, determined to spend the night somewhere in the fields and make another and more careful survey the following night the view i had obtained however was sufficient to convince me that the pole vault idea was out of the question even if i had a pole and were a proficient pole vaulter the three fences covered a span of at least twelve feet and to clear the last barbed wire fence it would be necessary to vault not only at least ten feet high but at least fourteen feet wide with certain knowledge that to touch the electrically charged fence meant instant death there would be no second chance if you came a cropper the first time the stilt idea was also impractical because of the lack of suitable timber and tools with which to construct the stilts it seemed to me that the best thing to do was to travel up and down the line a bit in the hope that some spot might be discovered where conditions were more favorable although i don't know just what i expected along those lines it was mighty disheartening to realize that only a few feet away lay certain liberty and that the only thing that prevented me from reaching it were three confounded fences i thought of my machine and wished that some kind of fairy would set it in front of me for just one minute i spent the night in a clump of bushes and kept in hiding most of the next day only going abroad for an hour or two in the middle of the day to intercept some belgian peasant and beg for food the belgians in this section were naturally very much afraid of the germans and i fared badly in nearly every house german soldiers were quartered and it was out of the question for me to apply for food in that direction the proximity of the border made every one eye one another with more or less suspicion, and I soon came to the conclusion that the safest thing I could do was to live on raw vegetables, which I could steal from the fields at night, as I had previously done. That night I made another survey of the barrier in that vicinity, but it looked just as hopeless as it had the night before, and I concluded that I only wasted time there i spent the next night wandering west guided by the north star which had served me so faithfully in all my travelling every mile or two i would make my way carefully to the barrier to see if conditions were any better but it seemed to be the same all along 
I felt like a wild animal in a cage with about as much chance of getting out. The section of the country in which I was now wandering was very heavily wooded, and there was really no very great difficulty in keeping myself concealed, which I did all day long, striving all the time to think of some way in which I could circumvent that cursed barrier. The idea of a huge stepladder occurred to me, but I searched hour after hour in vain for lumber or fallen trees out of which I could construct one. If I could only obtain something which would enable me to reach a point about nine feet in the air, it would be a comparatively simple matter to jump from that point over the electric fence. Then I thought that perhaps I could construct a simple ladder and lean it against one of the posts upon which the electric wires were strung, climb to the top and leap over, getting over the barbed wire fences in the same way. This seemed to be the most likely plan, and all night long I sat constructing a ladder for this purpose. I was fortunate enough to find a number of fallen pine trees from ten to twenty feet long. I selected two of them which seemed sufficiently strong and broke off all the branches, which I used as rungs, tying them to the poles with grass and strips from my handkerchief and shirt as best I could. It was not a very workmanlike looking ladder when I finally got through with it. I leaned it against a tree to test it, and it wobbled considerably. It was more like a rope ladder than a wooden one, but I strengthened it here and there and decided that it would probably serve the purpose. I kept the ladder in the woods all day and could hardly wait until dark to make the supreme test. If it proved successful, my troubles were over. Within a few hours I would be in a neutral country, out of all danger. If it failed, I dismissed the idea summarily, there was no use worrying about failure the thing to do was to succeed. The few hours that were to pass before night came on seemed endless, but I utilized them to reinforce my ladder, tying the rungs more securely with long grass which I plucked in the woods. At last night came, and with my ladder in hand I made for the barrier. In front of it there was a cleared space of about one hundred yards, which had been prepared to make the work of the guards easier in watching it. I waited in the neighborhood until I heard the sentry pass the spot where I was hiding, and then I hurried across the clearing, shoved my ladder under the barbed wire, and endeavored to follow it. My clothing caught in the wire, but I wrenched myself clear and crawled to the electric barrier. My plan was to place the ladder against one of the posts, climb up to the top, and then jump. There would be a fall of nine or ten feet, and I might possibly sprain my ankle or break my leg, but if that was all that stood between me and freedom, I wasn't going to stop to consider it. I put my ear to the ground to listen for the coming of the sentry. There was not a sound. Eagerly but carefully I placed the ladder against the post and started up. Only a few feet separated me from liberty, and my heart beat fast. I had climbed perhaps three rungs of my ladder when I became aware of an unlooked-for difficulty. The ladder was slipping. Just as I took the next rung, the ladder slipped, came in contact with the live wire, and the current passed through the wet sticks and into my body. There was a blue flash, my hold on the ladder relaxed, and I fell heavily to the ground, unconscious. 
Of course, I had not received the full force of the current or I would not now be here. I must have remained unconscious for a few moments, but I came to just in time to hear the German guard coming, and the thought came to me that if I didn't get that ladder concealed at once he would see it, even though, fortunately for me, it was an unusually dark night. I pulled the ladder out of his path and lay down flat on the ground, not seven feet away from his beat. He passed so close that I could have pushed the ladder out and tripped him up. It occurred to me that I could have climbed back under the barbed-wire fence and waited for the sentry to return, and then felled him with a blow on the head, as he had no idea, of course, that there was any one in the vicinity. I wouldn't have hesitated to take life, because my only thought now was to get into Holland, but I thought that as long as he didn't bother me, perhaps the safest thing to do was not to bother him but to continue my efforts during his periodic absences. His beat at this point was apparently fairly long, and allowed me more time to work than I had hoped for. My mishap with the latter had convinced me that escape in that way was not feasible. The shock that I had received had unnerved me, and I was afraid to risk it again, particularly as I realized that I had fared more fortunate than I could hope to again if I met with a similar mishap. There was no way of making that ladder hold, and I gave up the idea of using it. I was now right in front of this electric barrier, and as I studied it I saw another way of getting by. If I couldn't get over it, what was the matter with getting under it? The bottom wire was only two inches from the ground, and of course I couldn't touch it, but my plan was to dig underneath it and then crawl through the hole in the ground. I had only my hands to dig with, but I went at it with a will, and fortunately the ground was not very hard. When I had dug about six inches, making a distance in all of eight inches from the lowest electric wire, I came to an underground wire. I knew enough about electricity to realize that this wire could not be charged, as it was in contact with the ground but still there was not room between the live wire and this underground wire for me to crawl through, and I either had to go on digging deep enough under this wire to crawl under it, or else pull it up. This underground wire was about as big around as a lead pencil, and there was no chance of breaking it. The jackknife I had had at the start of my travels I had long since lost, and even if I had had something to hammer with, the noise would have made that method impractical. I went on digging. When the total distance between the live wire and the bottom of the hole I had dug was thirty inches, I took hold of the ground wire and pulled on it with all my strength. It wouldn't budge. It was stretched taut across the narrow ditch I had dug, about fourteen inches wide, and all my tugging didn't serve to loosen it. I was just about to give it up in despair when a staple gave way in the nearest post. This enabled me to pull the wire through the ground a little, and I renewed my efforts. After a moment or two of pulling, as I had never pulled in my life before, a staple on the next post gave way, and my work became easier. I had more leeway now, and pulled and pulled again, until in all eight staples had given way. Every time a staple gave way it sounded in my ears like the report of a gun, 
although I suppose it didn't really make very much noise. Nevertheless, each time I would put my ear to the ground to listen for the guard, and, not hearing him, went on with my work. By pulling on the wire I was now able to drag it through the ground enough to place it back from the fence and go on digging. The deeper I went, the harder became the work, because by this time my fingernails were broken and I was nervous, afraid every moment that I would touch the charged wire. I kept at it, however, with my mind constantly on the hole I was digging and the liberty which was almost within my reach. Finally I figured that I had enough space to crawl through, and still leave a couple of inches between my back and the live wire. Before I went under that wire I noticed that the lace which the Belgian woman had given me as a souvenir made my pocket bulge, and lest it might be the innocent means of electrocuting me by touching the live wire, I took it out, rolled it up, and threw it over the barrier. Then I lay down on my stomach and crawled, or rather writhed, under the wire like a snake, with my feet first, and there wasn't any question of my hugging Mother Earth as closely as possible, because I realized that even to touch the wire above me with my back meant instant death. Anxious as I was to get on the other side, I didn't hurry this operation. I feared that there might be some little detail that I had overlooked, and I exercised the greatest possible care in going under, taking nothing for granted. When I finally got through and straightened up, there was still several feet of Belgium between me and Liberty, represented by the six feet which separated the electric barrier from the last barbed wire fence. But before I went another step, I went down on my knees and thanked God for my long series of escapes, and especially for this last achievement, which seemed to me to be about all that was necessary to bring me to freedom. Then I crawled under the barbed wire fence and breathed the free air of Holland. I had no clear idea just where I was, and I didn't much care. I was out of the power of the Germans, and that was enough. I had walked perhaps a hundred yards when I remembered the lace I had thrown over the barrier, and, dangerous as I realized the undertaking to be, I determined to walk back and get it. This necessitated my going back on to Belgian soil again, but it seemed a shame to leave the lace there, and by exercising a little care I figured I could get it easily enough. When I came to the spot at which I had made my way under the barbed wire, I put my ear to the ground, and listened for the sentry. I heard him coming, and lay prone on the ground till he had passed. The fact that he might observe the hole in the ground or the ladder occurred to me as I lay there, and it seemed like an age before he finally marched out of earshot. Then I went under the barbed wire again, retrieved the lace, and once again made my way to Dutch territory. It does not take long to describe the events just referred to, but the incidents themselves consumed several hours in all. To dig the hole must have taken me more than two hours, and I had to stop frequently to hide while the sentry passed. Many times, indeed, I thought I heard him coming and stopped my work, and then discovered that it was only my imagination. I certainly suffered enough that night to last me a lifetime. 
with a german guard on one side death from electrocution on the other and starvation staring me in the face my plight was anything but a comfortable one it was the nineteenth of november nineteen seventeen when i got through the wires i had made my leap from the train on september ninth altogether therefore just seventy-two days had elapsed since i escaped from the huns if i live to be as old as methuselah i never expect to live through another seventy-two days so crammed full of incident and hazard and lucky escapes End of chapter seventeen